Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk. Oh, yes. <laughs> I like that we kept the same theme. I didn't want to steal the gimmick completely. No, you don't want to do that. That's a good job. Good job. Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports and the Startville Daily News. Sitting in for Joel for these next couple of days as Joel uh, expands his family size by one. That has not, to our knowledge, occurred as we begin recording yet, so we have no update there, but I'm sure everybody's healthy and happy, and we'll, we'll have some more to talk about. Uh, tomorrow, we are brought to you by... Oh, hold on. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. Want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Of course, they've been open this whole time throughout all this craziness, so make sure you're still swinging by there on a daily basis. You need that little extra shot to get you through the day. They will take care of you at University Drive, at Highway 12, and in Tupelo at Brupolo. Don't forget to go by collegecornerstore.com. And buy, have you have you taken advantage of this special? You need to do this. What is the special? Well, let me tell, tell you, you what it is. You can get 30% off any gift card purchase. When you buy a gift card, let's say you want to get a $100 gift card. It's only going to cost you $70. I mean, I can't. Robbie, I can't, literally can't put the money into your pocket. They're just giving money away. That's what they're doing. Imagine if you went and bought a $70 MSU polo. And they were like, here's your polo, sir. Also, here's 30 bucks cash. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat that. You cannot beat it. So, collegecornerstore.com. You can shop at either of their two locations in the Jackson area. That's at, uh, in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. That's in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Advantage Business Systems wants you, your business working for you during these uncertain times, not you working for your business. So make sure you've given them a call and find out what solutions they have to keep your business running at peak efficiency. They have 45 years of experience here in this state, doing just that for businesses just like yours. Call them today at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com and find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. All right. Boy. Been a while since you and I have, I know. Been a while since we've podcasted. Are you, are you good? Yeah, we got one more, but it's later. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, been a while since we've podcasted together. It has. I'm excited. We, had a, we, have a, we have a new beautiful studio here. Yeah. Uh, some great, some great microphones, some headphones. quality equipment. I mean, you have really upgraded. <laughs> well, you know, it's not it's not so much me. Let's, let's thank the Super Talk family uh, for that. We've got a positional breakdown to do today. We're going to talk about uh, the wide receivers, and then later in the show, we talked to Zach Arnett last night. I want to get Robbie's thoughts on MSU's defense. You've heard me and Joel talk about it. I want to get Robbie's thoughts, and we'll sort of go from there. But let's start with our our, our look at the wide receiver group. You agree this is the group that makes or breaks everything for Mississippi State. Yeah, and you know, in the past, it's been a heavily criticized group. A lot of drops. The offense has not really lived and died by the wide receiver in the past, but that changes tremendously this season with Mike Leach, and I think that's that's well documented. But, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting that we heard from Steve Spurrier Jr. a couple of weeks ago is that if they're going to be dropping footballs – they're going to move to defense. Yeah, 
And I don't know how serious he is about Stephen that. Stephen Gidry would have been the best safety in America last year. Yeah, I mean, the, but I, I don't know if they're going to move the defense. I don't know if he's serious about that. He did chuckle afterwards, but mm-hmm. they will not play. So there is a heavy, heavy, uh, I guess, influence on catching the football, and that's what – you know, wide receivers have to do to be productive, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in this offense, you have to catch the football and you have to do it at a high percentage. I mean, you, you, we, they're not going to have a, lot, a whole lot of drops this year, I don't think. And I think they've done a, a lot of things in the offseason to try to make sure they correct some of the wrongs they've had in the past. When you think about Steve Spurrier, too, I mean, his dad never had a problem, <clears throat> problem pulling the plug on anybody. So if, he, if he's come from that same uh, cloth, could be a could be a long year for some guys who had the drops last year if they can't get that turned around. Yeah, and I you know I think Mike Leach is kind of the same way. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean he's not going to put up with that either. So and and, and and it goes hand in hand. I know we're not talking about quarterbacks, but no, you're you right have there. to be accurate throwing the football. So I mean the whole the whole thing that makes this offense work is being accurate and catching the ball when it's thrown to you. Yeah, it's it's not about you know there's so much with Moorhead. I always got the idea that he was more worried about what happened after the catch than the actual catch itself. Right. And that's why you had a guy like Stephen Gidry, who you knew if he caught the ball could make things happen, but he couldn't catch the ball. Whereas with Mike Leach, he would rather just take a bunch of little five- and six-yard quick shots and just keep it going, as long as you're catching the ball, than really worry about breaking a 40-, 50-yard play. Uh, and now he'll take the 40, 50 yard plays. Yeah. But he's not, that's not, that's not what the offense is built around. Yeah. They will throw the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just watching the air raid um, over the years with, you know, Texas Tech and Washington State, it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk stuff, a lot of cross routes, a lot of curl routes, a lot of things, you know, from anywhere from five to 10 yards down the field. And then they'll take a big shot down the field. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just catching the football is, is I think the utmost importance. And it seems like, you know, just from what we've seen on highlights and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and I know Mississippi State controls those highlights. Yes, but they are highlights for a reason. Th- there's some tough catches being made yeah. by Osiris Mitchell and guys like that. So that I think I think you're definitely going to see an improvement in that area, and you have to. We've talked about Osiris Mitchell. I mean, is he the closest thing to a sure thing we have at this point? As far as when we look at the receivers, do you expect? I mean, it's a big jump, but do you expect 60-plus catches, 700 to 800 yards? Yeah, I think so. I think he is, to me, he is your number one guy, although we have heard a lot about Javante Payton in the yeah. offseason, which we did see a couple of flashes from him last year. He looked great in practice. Yeah, and one of the one of the things I remember, I think it was Abilene Christian or someone like that, uh, late in the year he had that one-handed grab or – uh, went up and, and got a got a catch in traffic or something like that that I thought was really impressive. So he's shown the ability to do that. And everything we've heard from practice, from coaches, other wide receivers, defensive backs, is that he's right now the toughest guy to guard. So I think it's a sure bet that those two are going to have a big season. And then you have a lot of other guys that you're really interested in, and I think more so than in years past, that you know could really have a big season. Well, I mean, it's just the nature of Mike Leach's offense, as we've said so many times on this show, and I know you know this as well as anybody. I mean, last year he had eight guys catch 40 or more passes. So, I mean, you've got one, you didn't have but one guy on the whole roster last year. Not, not this year's roster, but the 2019 team. Dedrick Thomas was the only receiver with more than 40. With, he had, and he had 40. Didn't have more than 40. And now a guy like Austin Williams, who caught, I think, 11 passes last year. You're going to look to him to catch 40, 50, 60 passes. Malik Heath, who was in JUCO last year, you're looking to him. I think they're probably looking to him to be a, a bigger part, maybe a 60, 70 catch kind of guy. And then, you know, a true freshman like Tulu Griffin, 
Griffin is his last name. Uh, you, you get, you know, you're probably expecting 40 to 50 catches out of him. Things that you would never have expected in the past. So you've got all these guys. You sort of sort of put together a little bit of a depth chart. How do you see it sort of shaking out as far as a rotation goes? Yeah, and, and that the the rotation thing is what has me interested. How many guys is he going to get in the ball game? And, yeah. Because Moorhead was like. He had like three or four guys that he stuck with the entire ball game. It was Mitchell. It was going to be Mitchell, Thomas, and Gidry most of the game. Yeah, and you know Austin Williams would get in there every now and then, but he had you know just a first team and maybe two or three guys coming off the bench. And um, it, it, you know it's interesting to look at the stats from Penn State mm-hmm. and look at because we were kind of expecting Mississippi State to spread the ball around. Not to the extent that Mike Leach did, but right. close. Yeah. I mean, Mike Gusecki had a huge career as a yeah. tight end. Saquon Barkley was one of their top receivers as a running back. Mm-hmm. So he he had some numbers that looked similar to Mike Leach in some regard. But at it Penn just, State. Yes. Yeah. But it did not – it did not add up at Mississippi State. I don't know what happened, but Mike Leach has said that he wants to narrow this rotation down and and kind of focus in these reps on just a, a core group of guys. But I'm thinking there's probably going to be seven or eight guys yeah. that get in the ball game. So you know, I put together a, just a depth chart just based on my li- limited knowledge that I have. That's all we have. We're, <clears> we're <throat> out of we, practice. Yeah, we we haven't had any kind of glimpse of what this offense looks like we don't yeah. know who's when where. you see it we'll see it yeah but, same, same thing you know just talking to, to the coaches and hearing what they've said it it, it feels like osiris mitchell is probably a sure thing yeah. on the outside malik heath is probably going to be the guy on the outside of course we don't know what's going to happen yeah. with his punishment. maybe from game two on right yeah but he seems to be you know, a guy that you can pencil Which is, in. Uh, you know, going back to when he was recruited, that's what you expected him to be a yes. day one starter. Yes, on the outside. Yeah. Um, and then slot guys, Javante Payton is, is already put in yeah. on, on a Sharpie. Yeah. And Austin Williams, I feel like, is, is a good guy in the slot, too. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where things get really interesting. Uh, when you think of a slot guy, you think of a small, quick, shifty Absolutely. guy. yeah. But in this offense, especially these slot guys are going to be guys that can that can be a disadvantage for the defense, right? From a from a larger uh, perspective, from right. a, you know we're putting Brad Cumbus in the slot, the former tight ends, right? Yeah, Jorquier, Spivey, Cumbus, and Austin Williams. Those guys are going to be slots opposite of Javante Payton, who would who you would consider kind of a, a quicker, shifty yeah. guy. Typical. Um, but I, you know, from everything that we're hearing, is Tulu Griffin is a guy that's pushing for starting reps, right? On the outside, on the outside, yeah. and so the, uh, so now you're you're seeing kind of the genius of Mike Leach. He he's not getting your prototypical, you know, six five, six four guys lined up on the outside and go run fades. He's finding these mismatches, and and you see how this offense works. You're going to put a smaller guy on a linebacker or or something crossing across the middle of the field. Uh, these mismatches are going to attack the defense, where these guys are going to have a hard time guarding the receivers. And you have you know a small guy in the in the slot, and then a big guy in the other slot, small guy on the outside, big guy on the outside. So I'm interested to see how this works, yeah. man. And there are pieces in this offense that we haven't seen be really productive mm-hmm. in the last few years that I feel like now with this offensive scheme could be incredibly productive. You think about what you just said about Tulu Griffin playing on the outside and getting that kind of mismatch. Think about Brad Cumbus, six foot five, two hundred and thirty, two hundred and forty pounds, matched up on 
the average nickelback who's, you know, like a slot receiver, 5'8", maybe 175, you're going to have a chance to make, again, going back to what we said at the beginning, just short passes just where he just gets in front and then hunkers down, grabs the ball, and then can probably break a tackle and get some more yards. So you're correct. Leach's offense is, is predicated on finding those mismatches, and he's really good at doing it too. That's why having, you know, it's it's not it's not depth from the, the the traditional sense in that you've got experienced guys who've played a lot, but you do have a lot of different pieces to play with. You've got these guys who were tight ends. You've got some traditional wide receivers in Heath and Mitchell. You've got the slot guys in Peyton. You've got a guy you know in in Tulu Griffin who I think could play inside and outside. You've got a lot to work with. If you want to be positive about it, I feel like there's a lot that Leach can work with. In terms of you, what you just said, finding mismatches, he can switch these guys around a ton. I mean, I won't be totally surprised if we see Heath and Mitchell inside sometimes. I won't be totally surprised if we see Austin Williams play outside, just based on what they see. Yeah, I don't think that those guys are going to be cemented on the outside. Yeah, nobody's inside. locked in. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're not even talking about Callen Hill and, and the running backs, but they're essentially receivers in this offense. And I, I think Callen could be a guy that leads the team in receptions. So uh, it's there. There's so many pieces here, and I don't. This is one particular position group that that you're breaking down right now, that you can say with certainty when Mike Leach is coaching, you have almost zero concern about what this group is going to look like, right? Because every single year he's had, I, I think I, I might be wrong in this. I think every single year of his of his coaching career as a head coach, he's had a top ten passing offense. Oh yeah, that's is that that correct? Is correct. Yes. So uh, that is what is just you know you, you try to fathom that as a Mississippi State fan or Mississippi State media guy that's been covering this team for so long. You've you've watched a lot more Mississippi State football than I have. Try to imagine Mississippi State being a top ten passing offense if you can. I don't think you can. Because you you know you've had all these years of great running backs and great rushing attacks. You know I was watching the Snow Bowl a few weeks ago, Mississippi State versus A and M uh, after the 2000 season, and uh, I think Wayne Mackin was like three for nine in the first half or something. Um, it, that that's just something that we're all going to have to get used to. Is this is not you know any rules that we've learned over time. You know you have to have a balanced rushing attack. You have to do that this and that. That is all out the window with Mike Leach because it's just it's th- this is a different kind of offense that nobody has really seen at Mississippi State before, and it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of evolves over time. I'm interested to see how it works in the SEC. Um, that's that's been the biggest question for a lot of people. I think it's going. I, I think it will succeed because it's succeeded any anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it's going to be an offense that nobody in the SEC often sees. Right. So. It's, it's, it will have some novelty to it, for right, sure. For right. sure, and that not 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 in the same way that Georgia Tech did. And we had this question yesterday on the rumblings. You know, Georgia Tech when they were in the ACC, nobody's running the triple option scheme and things like that. Everybody has some air raid concepts in their offense, outside of maybe you know Kentucky a little bit, but right. So you're going to have some familiarity to it, but but when you're talking about 75 plays a game of it, where they're, you're just constantly spreading you out, they're constantly making you run around, and then when you finally think, okay, we've got an idea of what they want to do passing-wise, boom, they're going to hand it to Kylan Hill, or they're just going to dump it off to him and let him get out there in space. There's a lot of potential for mismatches. I got Let's do some sort of like quick-fire questions. Who's the leading receiver when the season's over? I think Kylan Hill. 
Really? Yeah. You think he'll be number one? Now, Borgie I, was was first last year for them. Yeah. So, that, yeah. Well, the reason I say that is I think they're going to get the ball in his hands and some short passes for sure. Like it, it, and when and when you think about a passing offense, um, and you know not running the football, there's there's still essentially runs. It's not like they're handing the ball off to the running back, but they're still going to get to the get the ball to Kylan Hill essentially in a running situation they're not just going to tell them to go run fades every single snap and um, try to get 50 yard gains down the field there's going to be some variances of a running game it just won't be simply handing the ball off so in some ways that number is a little skewed because they do get the ball to the running back in in similar situations right uh is there? A, I think we, I asked you this question on the uh, the media poll, but they'll get your a little more depth into it. Thousand yard receiver on this team? I don't think so because um, I, you know, I've looked at his I looked at his offenses in the past. He spreads it around so much. I don't know if we're going to see somebody that loads up on a thousand yards, especially this year with with uh, ten games. If if one guy were to get there, is it Mitchell or is there another guy you like? I would think Osiris Mitchell probably. Okay. Uh, couple, this is an easy. There's some easy answers to this question. I don't want you to pick those. I don't want you to say Eric Moulds or Jeronia Wilson or anything like that. Uh, if you, if I could go back in time and put a, a receiver from a, a previous squad on this team, who would you like to see? Oh, man. Um, I would say probably Chad Bumpfus. That's a good choice, yeah. I think he would be good in the air raid offense. What about I, you know who I thought of and, and, and Bumpus is probably the, the best answer to be totally honest with you, but just from last year's team, Malik Deer. Yeah, I think he would be a good fit, or like a guy like Jamion Lewis. Yeah, somebody like that. You know, a smaller, shiftier receiver. Jamion Lewis is a good, another good choice. Yeah. So here's the all-time, by the way, list of this is Leach's all-time leading receivers uh, that would be MSU's career receiving leaders. So guys, these guys played for Leach. And if they had played at State, they would be the all-time leader in, in, in receiving yards. Now, some names you know. You know who Wes Welker is. Right. You know who Michael Crabtree is. You ever heard of River Craft? No, I have not. Dom Williams? I have heard of Dom Williams. You have? Yes. You're doing better than me. I know who Gabe Marks is. But the only reason I know who Gabe Marks is is because I, I watch enough Pac-12 after dark yes. that I saw him catching a lot of passes from Mike Leach. These are career yards? Or yeah. single season? Career. Okay. Gabe Marks is the leading receiver for Mike Leach ever, from what I can tell. 3,453 yards. Marquez Wilson? No. No. Detron Lewis? No. Joe Filani? Joe Filani. That that seems like an odd enough name I would remember it, but it's I not. don't. Jarrett Hicks? Didn't he win a season of American Idol? Yeah. Uh, that's Taylor Hicks, oh. who, who actually does the Fine Bomb song. That's which right. That's right. Might be the worst song I've ever heard. Nehemiah Glover. I have. I've, I've heard of him. It's because of the name. Yeah. And Carlos Francis. All no. of these guys, just one of them would be MSU's all-time leading receiver. That's I think ten of them uh, that are ahead of what I think I guess is Fred Ross would be. Yeah. So, well, when you look at when you go back and look at Mississippi State's record books. You see just how devoid they are in passing um, yards, receptions. Of the, like, Fred Ross was a really good receiver for Mississippi State, but, I mean, he's not a guy that you would consider, you know, an All-American type. or anything. Right. Like, and he broke every record in the books, pretty much. 
Um, and, and that was just by Dan Mullen tweaking the offense a little bit. Mississippi State's been so heavy on the run um, all time that it's just, like I said earlier, it's hard to imagine what this offense is going to be next year. Like, just, just trying to imagine a, a single game. It's tough. Where State passes for 500 yards, you don't even realize it. We've, you know? ta- we've talked about that so much on this show the past you know eight months, I guess, in terms of it's going to look totally different. It's it's going to take a minute or two to wrap your head around it, and you know the record book. Dak Prescott is not going to be much for the MSU record book. No, when this is all, five years from now, you know all all of his career passing yardage numbers will be gone. His single his single season passing yard, if Costello is really good this year, could break this year. It's only thirty seven ninety three. In a Which twelve crazy, game, crazy in a twelve game imagine. season, it would be gone. Yes. No question about it. It's crazy to imagine ten games that they could break. They could, Dak's but they could. They, I mean, it, was it 2015 he broke that? Yeah. Yeah. So and, and we're talking. And you remember how much he, he was throwing the ball that We were year. losing our minds. We're like, why are they not just running the ball? Yeah. And now it's going to be much, much different than that. And yeah. you're talking about 380 a game, right? I mean, we're, we all said 3,500 was a reasonable thing. 30 a game is like two more completions. Yeah. It's not, we're not asking a, a whole lot there. The, the, single, the single game passing yard, Dak has that. I think it's 508 against Arkansas, Arkansas. in 15. Yep. That would have fallen in week one if State was playing New Mexico. Yeah, no question. But now you know it may it may still fall when they play Arkansas or Vanderbilt or somebody like that, or even Ole Miss, who was just not good in the secondary. We'll have to see. So, but the, the receivers are the key to all this. You've met, you got me feeling a little bit better. I won't lie. I wouldn't. I didn't think Robbie Falk was going to come sunshine here bringing that sunshine. But it's he a did. sunshine pumper over here. No, but like I, I really do like the talent at receiver, and and Leach has even mentioned just how excited he is to have this type of talent to walk into this because i mean think about it yeah he's walked into texas tech and washington state and they haven't had much talent at all at the receiver position right quarterback or anything like that when he first got there now now you know i think that's been the most surprising thing to him is he came in here and already has some pretty talented players now what what's what's this offense going to look like in a couple years when he has several four stars you know, wide receiver and at quarterback that, you know, he, he doesn't even have right now. I mean, he's he's already got, you know, the top – I think the top five players in this class are um, wide receivers or quarterbacks. Right. Yeah, from a, a recruiting perspective, it already looks way different than what you're used to as a Mississippi State fan. No and, and, as, and, as, um, and as Mike Leach. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that he's going to be able to recruit to Mississippi State at the skill positions better than he has anywhere else. Now the big question is going to be on the defensive side, and that's I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit. But yeah. um, I don't think he's going to have any problems getting elite talent to Mississippi State, and that's what's really going to be fun to watch when he has that kind of talent at receiver. You know, you start pulling in guys that LSU and Alabama usually get, then you're really talking about something. But he's got to be able to start getting some of those same defensive players. We've talked about this before. You got to get the Chris Jones. Yeah. You got to get the Jefferson, which there aren't in this state this year. No, th- this is this is as bad. I, I, I don't I don't mean this as a knock at the kids in this class, but this is as bad as a year on the defensive side of the ball in Mississippi that I've seen in a while. There's there's always one or two guys that has offers from Alabama, and and, and there are some guys in this class that have that, but that there's no guys in the in the class on the defensive side of the ball that that you you look at and say you know. That guy's an NFL guy, or this is an elite talent. There, there's not that many guys in this class. No, I agree with that 100%. So 
MSU's receivers, we'll see how it all pans out. But one thing is for sure, it's going to look totally, totally different. And I'm very excited. I'm sure I know Robbie is as well. Let's move on over to our next topic. And that's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Robbie, you've been by the food truck at Welcome Home Beef, have you not? I have. And you were a fan. It was very good. Yeah. And it's open uh, every weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 11 to 1 for lunch, 6 for 10 for dinner. Go by for lunch, grab a burger, grab a taco, grab a steak sandwich, and then for dinner, just get yourself a great steak dinner cooked to perfection. And if you want to do the cooking yourself, you just walk right in, grab a steak, grab some of their top-notch ground beef. Or if you want to do something longer than that, brisket, beef ribs, they all have it there. And they're always willing to take your special order. Let them know what you want. Give them a call today at 662-268-8148 or visit them online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. Whether they're cooking it or you are, one thing is for sure. It just tastes good. There you go. <laughs> good job. Good job. And now I'm work. hungry. Uh, we can go get lunch after this. Uh, yes. Defense. We talked to Zach Arnett last night. We talked to him two weeks ago, and the man was as blunt as I've ever heard a coach be. Basically, said we're not anywhere near what we need to be for an SEC defense. I asked him first off last night. I said, "Do you feel better?" He's like, "Do I feel better? Yes. Are we there yet? No." Here's what I've I've, I've come to believe about Zach Arnett. You know, Joe Moore had talked about championship standard. I think Zach Arnett really has one. I think Zach Arnett has that. Coach Ned Yost, I'm going to pull you off the field if they cross the line of scrimmage mentality. I, I think he sets a really, really high standard for these guys, which is a good thing because, you know, what is it, reach for the stars, you might grab the moon. I don't know how that, that, that goes. I don't, I don't deal in optimism a whole lot, as you might be aware. It's my brand. I've been able to tell. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like Zach Arnett is setting a really high standard for this defense. We, Joel and I have, have hammered this defense. We've talked about it so much. Going to get a fresh perspective. What do you think about this MSU defense? I think it's concerning, and I think he's concerned uh, just based on what we've heard from him. But that's what this group needs. They need, they need him to constantly be pushing them and trying to get as much out of them as he possibly can because I don't think the talent is there that has been there in years past, and I do know for certain that the depth is not there. Um, you're going to have to have some guys that you have not hardly seen on the field at all step up and be major contributors this year because um, you know they just don't have hardly any depth at any possession at any position. Uh, several guys are playing multiple positions, like Nathaniel Watson. He's moving across the board at linebacker. So you know there's there's there is a lot of concern there, and like I said, I think he's I think he's very concerned. He answered you with about a you know fifteen second answer. Yeah. He's you know it's not where it needs to be, mm-hmm. um, and, and that that's one thing you're going to hear from him is no bull. Yeah, he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. I definitely get that from him. We will know exactly what's going on with the defense. He will tell us exactly what's going on. I don't get the sense that he is another Peter Sermon no. <laughs> that will come in there and, and give us the greatest media op of all time and then we get out on the field and and state gives up 600 yards if they give up 600 yards he's going to tell us exactly what they did wrong so i you know i think there's some major concerns i like some of the talent out there but they have got to in the next couple of classes they're going to have to really hit the the ground running recruiting wise and get some really talented players in here defensively and i think there are in next class but I would be concerned if I was a Mississippi State fan with this defense moving forward. You're being so positive before and now. I know. I mean, it's tough. I know. Where is this defense strong, in your opinion? 
Uh, I think that they have some some good pieces in the secondary, talent wise. I really, I'm, you know, they're really young. But uh, when you talk about the back end of the secondary, Marcus Murphy and uh, Colin Duncan has been doing some good things. I'm hearing at safety, Fred Peters, uh, Martin Emerson, Emmanuel Forbes. Those guys are really talented guys. There just isn't a, a ton of snaps. I mean, the guy that has the most snaps back there of the last couple of years is Martin Emerson, who is a true sophomore. Yeah. Um, you know, linebacker, there, there's some talent there, but again, no real experience. Uh, defensive line, I really like uh, Nathan Pickering. It's funny when you talk about the linebackers, you say no real experience, except for the guy in the middle who might be the most experienced player in the SEC. Right. It, it's, it's, it's Around like either him, though, or. Nothing, I mean, yeah. it, you got a guy that's been here for five years in the middle, which is great. But then you have Aaron Brule, who hasn't played much outside linebacker. There's just, uh, you know, it's, it's just they've had so much talent the last couple of years leave and go to the NFL. It's hard for a team like Mississippi State to recover that quickly. When you have teams like LSU that are actively recruiting four- and five-star guys that come right in. I mean, they have 68 scholarship players, and they're replacing these guys that are opting out with four- and five-star talent. Yeah, Mississippi State cannot – miss a beat they got to yeah. be that, that that team in in 2017 or 2018 that defense had so much experience and so much continuity with each other and talent and it talent. Was a perfect mix i mean you, you started dipping into the second team and those guys are nfl guys yeah so and when you lose that kind of talent at a place like mississippi state it's very hard to recover quickly i think mississippi mississippi state recruits well enough on the defensive side of the ball that it, it will recover eventually. Mm-hmm. But right now they're still in rebuilding mode on that defense, and, and they're going to have to start stacking some talent there and getting experience more more than anything. Is the, How many games will the, the defense cost MSU this year? It's going to be a couple, right? I don't know. I mean, you're talking about the offense just has to score a lot of points. I mean, they're going to have to score a lot of points. And, you know, Mike Leach's defenses have have not been good over the years, and and a lot of people speculate that, um, you know, the 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 passing offense takes them away from from having to defend the run, and they're not used to doing that. Um, and and you know, a lot of people speculate that the offense uh, isn't on the field long enough, which I counter with the fact that he he does have a pretty good time of possession. If you go look at oh yeah, yeah. some of Washington State's time of possession, but um, the if he can find some kind of balance where the defense is just pretty good, yeah, then then you're talking about something. Well, I mean, back when we were talking about a full schedule, I said if State was a top 50 defense, which isn't, you know, I mean, in the SEC, you're probably 7th, 8th. Yeah. But that's probably enough to win 8 or 9 games. Just average. Yeah, just if being you, average. If, if you have an average defense with the offense that he runs where he's probably going to score 30-plus, yeah. Um, you feel refueled. You're going to really win more than that. you lose, yeah. and you're going to have a chance to win them all outside of maybe like an Alabama or something like that. And even then, with the way Leach does offense, he gives his teams punchers' chances. A lot of people have pointed to his record against Washington. A lot of Ole Miss fans, you know, has pointed to that. Like, he doesn't do well in rivalry games. And the comment I make, well, when Washington and Ole Miss are the same roster talent, you let me know. It's right. more like what MSU is going to face when they play Alabama. Yeah. Was, uh, you look at the team talent. We have a, th- we have a thing on 24 7, the team talent. Single plug. Yes. So you can go look at the team talent. I, I would venture to guess that Washington State's probably in the 50s or 60s, maybe worse than that as far as the talent probably, they've, yeah. they've accumulated. Washington's a top 25, top 20 roster. Yeah, year um, in, year out. So people, people don't really know 
how tough it was for Mike Leach to win at Washington State. Mike Leach has, in his coaching career, he's had three stops now as a head coach. He has picked the th- three of the hardest places to win in the country, and he's won at the two previous stops. Texas Tech is no picnic. You're in the you're out there in the middle of West Texas. I mean, people who've been to Lubbock tell me that's that's no you know they're, they're not there's not a, a large vacation line trying to get to Lubbock, Texas, uh, and then Washington State in the middle of of, of Washington of in the lower part of Washington. It's it's just it's isolated. It's cold as all get out six months out of the year. I mean, it's just not a tough. It's just tough places to win. And now you come to Mississippi State, which is a still a tough place to win when you look at who they have to play year in year out. But in terms of being easier to win at than Washington State and Texas Tech, it is. It is. So you, that that's a reason for optimism. He's go, he's going to be able to pull better talent here. That's and, and that's what I'm really interested to see because he's going to pull in talent at wide receiver and quarterback that Mississippi State doesn't often have. Yeah. But, again, it, it, it's I mean, going to boil down to the defense. If he's going to be successful here, it's going to boil down to the defense being just – Basically average or better than average. By the way, Washington's, Washington's team talent is 19th. Mm-hmm. Washington State's 74th. Yeah. But that series, you know, obviously Leach lost more than he won. But again, what is it? With, what's the gap? You got the, the thing pulled up there between Mississippi State and Alabama. Alabama's probably Let's first see. or second, right? I would assume. By the way, Ole Miss is 28th. Okay. State is 22nd. 22nd. And. Alabama is number two. Number two. So a twenty point gap between State and Alabama. What did you just say? Like a fifty nineteen is well, it's it's almost sixty. Almost a sixty point gap between Washington and Washington State. So when if 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 Johnny Ole Miss fan is hitting you up with he could never win his rivalry games, there's your your metric you need to be looking at. What what was his record against Oregon State? That would be a better metric of of, of determining Egg Bowl success, I would think. And he had and he had a success a lot of success against Oregon. Yeah. So USC, he beat USC with Washington State. Yeah. So he also beat a lot of teams. Well, most of the teams he beat, he had less talent. He might have been that might have been the least talented roster, other than maybe Oregon State in the in the Pac twelve. And and Texas Tech is 49th. 49th in Texas is probably fifth. Yeah. Oklahoma is probably third. Which if you look at if you look at Texas Tech, what they did before Michael H and what they've done after, it's yeah. He was the only successful person there. Yeah. When when they let Mike Leach go because of Craig James, who, as we all know, killed five hookers. He he did do that. Uh, okay. This this is turned. Here. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's a true story. Okay. So, allegedly. Uh, but that said, as soon as they got rid of Mike Leach, they started trending down. It was almost immediate. Yeah. And and the same thing, you know, Washington State, they hire Mike Leach, they start winning games. The new coach up there is supposed to be pretty good. Nick uh, Rolovich is that yeah, his name from Hawaii? From, from Hawaii, he's yeah. been a good coach. But we'll see if he can keep that that go, that momentum going. Won't be totally surprised if in a couple of years Washington State's winning four or five games, and Mike Leach is winning eight or nine, so, or maybe not nine, but seven or eight, and then jumping up every every three or four years to nine or ten at Mississippi State. I just won't be surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, it's this, been his career. It's his career arc. This is his this this is his most talented roster that he's had. Maybe uh, I think may, that's, you go like that 08 Texas Tech team. They had a lot prob- of talent. Probably so. I'd the, like the, I'd like to see that. Yeah, but um, but I, I did I, I crunched the numbers at one point, and I, I think Texas Tech was like was like almost always at the bottom end of the Big Big Twelve in recruiting, but they yeah. always finished better than his recruiting classes. Yeah, same thing with Washington State. Right, and at Mississippi State, if he can average state's historical recruiting average, which is a top twenty five to thirty class, then you're consistently going to be a top twenty five team. Right. And look, say what you want about Mullen. 
wasn't a consistently top 25 team. Had, had great years. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys to try to take away from Dan Mullen's legacy. Obviously the greatest coach in MSU history. But he had some up and down years. Whereas Leach, you feel like you maybe can get, reach a little bit more consistency. We'll and let's see. be honest, Mullen's best recruiting class was pretty much put together by Sylvester Kroon. In terms of rankings, yes. His best recruiting class was a terrible ranked recruiting class, the 11 class, that had Dak and Dylan Day. Bo- both of those had a lot of NFL talent. If yeah. you go look at that 09 oh, class, a ton. Yeah. well over half the classes went to the NFL. Yeah. And same thing with 2011. But I agree with you that that was, that was the class that he said was way better than the ranking. I think, and he was it, right. Oh, yeah. It, it, well, he it was said like that every year to be, totally, uh, to be totally fair. But his highest ranked recruiting class was basically – Almost done. He came in and he got Denise Timms and he Chad, got Chad Bumpus. Bumpus. Yeah, he got Ladarius Perkins. Ladarius Perkins, Rico Sanders. I think he got him. He late. got a. Did he get Pernell McPhee? Yes. Yeah. He got him. That that was a December. Yeah, it was signee, yeah. right? Well, no, yeah. it wouldn't have been a December signee because they didn't have that back then. But well, he was he, he committed he, late though. Yeah. Well, I thought he came in. Oh, that's Juco. the JUCO did have the early stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. That was. I think. I believe that was his first big big game. win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. But uh, he did get some big wins, but that class was pretty much yeah, put Yeah, Fletcher together. Cox and, John, and Josh uh, Boyd and Jonathan Banks were already in the class. Right. John, Darius Slay was in that class as a high school player. He Tyler Russell. Tyler Russell. And Montreal Connor. Who could forget that guy? Golly, man. Remember him? I remember him. <laughs> All right. Uh, tomorrow's show, not really sure what we'll be hitting up other than the offensive line. That'll be tomorrow's position breakdown. Uh, and then we'll figure out anything else to talk about. We don't have any availability this evening. So we don't have anything new to talk about from, with those guys, but we'll figure out another topic for you guys on tomorrow's show. Thanks, Robbie, for stepping in. He'll be with us again tomorrow, and we'll have an update on Joel and, uh, and Katie and let you know how, the, uh, how baby girl Coleman is doing. For Robbie Falk. Oh, yeah. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.